Hi, I'm Andy Peregrine from Modiphius, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about rules mistakes and fudging dice rolls as the GM. In the news, a new Dungeons & Dragons movie trailer is out, Hasbro's plans for the future of D&D, Gloomhaven is getting an RPG, and more! Plus, listener questions and a brand new sketch about how huge a large giant is. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by Captain Wrigley's Starship Emporium. Hmm, what's a starship? Is the GM mixing his genres again? Well, apparently Captain Wrigley is a very handsome man and the greatest salesman in the galaxy. Whatever that is. Wait, who's that? Greetings, human. What? We come in peace. You come in peace? Shoot to kill. Shoot to kill? I'll show you shoot to kill, you witless drones. Take this fireball right in their face! <laughs> Wait, what? They were just extras for the commercial. Well, why didn't you say so? Um, do I still get paid? All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, hello, hello And welcome to Morris's unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris Or Morris, a.k.a. Russ And with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Roleplayers Russ, as ever, I am delighted to be here. And joining us, she's both audacious and bodacious. It's the one, it's the only, it's the extremely verdant, it's... It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing. She's not the only verdant one here today, we're all wearing green. And an occupational hazard of it being Jessica. As we were discussing before the podcast starts, it's actually really difficult to tell the difference between us at the moment. Mm -hmm. We all look Mm. so similar. Yeah. Mm. 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 Are we done with that joke now? Let's... Yeah, we're done with that joke. So, 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 how, how's your week been? Been cold? Yeah. Yeah, it's been cold this the, week. The yeah. chill of winter has come to the UK. Yeah, yeah. We should do a, a, a cold team Kickstarter or something. <gasps> Wait, we, we did? Oh, what a segue. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> yes. Uh, so on Tuesday, we launched our last quick starter and publishing of the year when it's called The Weather Outside is Frightful. And it is cold themed stuff and all things. Um, so let me let me open it up so I can go through things properly. Um, so it's got loads of different. You're right there, Peter. Yeah, just send me along. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it's <laughs> 30 pages of a book. It's got like uh, four different subclasses for barbarians, monks, and warlocks that all like, can run frozen and things. And my favourite one is uh, there's this warlock uh, that has the ability to like condense the moisture in the air into a giant um, kind of ball of ice to drop on your enemies, which is mm. kind of fun. Uh, and it's got loads of different, yeah, monster, loads of different monsters. There's some undead, frosty ones, and then there's some that hide in snow and ice and that like, kind of burst forth, kind of like. You know how in Dune, the, the, you know, it bursts from the sand. This is like that, but bursting from the ice or snow. So, mm. in my cool. mind. And yeah. then there's also different encounters to fit in like a frosty wasteland. Uh, so there's like five of them. So it's things like avalanches, frozen bridges, like mammoth warriors and wolves and all that cool stuff. And then it's got an adventure 
at the end as well called Winter Heart uh, for fourth mm-hmm. level. So and it's on Kickstarter for about another week. It's on, yeah, it's on Kickstarter until the 20th of December. Um, so mm-hmm. you'll get the PDF before Christmas. Uh, but the the books obviously will have to print and send to you, so they'll be with you in the new year in January. Um, but yeah, but that's the last. So that's I was doing that this week, getting that launched and ready to go. Yes. I did the voice on the video as well, so can enjoy that. And you made the video as well. I did. I was doing the voice on the video. I did. Ooh. Oh, I I did. You did everything to do with the video, to be honest. Yeah, I did. I did everything with the Kickstarter except actually write it and and do the art. So. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, yeah, but that's not a good choice. That's, that's yeah. I did everything books except books the actual make products, don't they? They yeah. just appear all by themselves. Yeah, yeah they do. It's amazing. That's the thing yeah. about working in publishing. I just work there and suddenly amazing artwork just appears from really talented people. Awesome books and writing just appears on my and comes across my desk. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I like be- every day is Christmas working at EM Publishing. Wow, you said that with a straight face. How suffering was that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, so, so, so. so we... I, I've been busy working on my Kickstarter, which I haven't managed to get out to people. But on the plus side, I have been sitting, typing, and grinning like a gremlin. Mm. Occasionally cackling to myself how whilst does, I work. How does a gremlin grin? Oh, yeah, the listeners, that, can't, the yeah. listeners can't see this, but that was not a bad impression of a gremlin. It was really was good, that. actually. Yeah. Thank you. Um, like I say, I, I speak with some authority on the subject of what gremlins look like. Yeah. <laughs> because you are one. Yeah, like partly. It's it's my inner gremlin has been unleashed as part of the game design process. Mm, um, but yeah, it's just little things like having the occasional helpful tip inserted into the various tables, because all my books are full of tables, which is how you know they're quality books. Because mm-hmm. they're like full of excellent ideas that you can steal and put into your game. And this, this one has some real bangers, which I'm very pleased with. And also a reference to an 80s uh, TV show. So um, oh. I shall be looking forward to people... Spotting that and throwing tomatoes at me. Well, Virtually, as long course. as you don't name a list a flowchart, you should be fine. You shouldn't get any tomatoes. Flowchart. Oh, flowchart gate like, is in full swing. There are people uh, talking about flowchart gate on the internet now. I, I, I might I might be a gremlin, but I have professional standards. Do you know what I mean? You know, I don't know what um, you're saying if it's flowchart <laughs> gate, because everyone just agrees. They're like, that is not a flowchart. There's no like discussion there's no disagreement there's yeah. not like a battle on both sides yeah, everyone, everyone just goes just like, I, I agree with Jess that is definitely not a flowchart because I'm correct because yeah. I am we correct agree. We, we, we all agree that everyone, everyone agrees no. so it's not a, like a, I no, don't say no, it's a no gate no one looks at that and says that's a flowchart because it is clearly not and anyone who yeah. didn't listen to last week's episode has no idea what we're talking about and I'm not going to tell them you okay. have to go back and listen to last week's episode to find out. Or there's a clip on YouTube about, chart, about me ranting about flowcharts, if that interests yeah. you. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. should we yeah. move on to should, talk should about our, something else? Our listener yeah. question, shall we? Oh, yes. yes. You well, have one this week, I think. Did you not, I, Jess? I, I do. Uh, it's very fun. Uh, so <sighs> I ha- it's not specifically We're for not allowed us. fun questions. It We're only allowed spe- poo-face and serious. <laughs> okay, this is not going to be that then. Okay. But... Uh, it's not specifically to us, but it was asked to the internet about 17 hours ago. Uh, I recently yes. joined Reddit, so I'm joining like the D&D and the level up and all the different like things on there. Mm. And there was uh, a question that jumped out to me on the D&D mm. Reddit called, how do I get my players to stop urinating on things? Mm. Players or characters? Yes, important distinction. Different, different situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the character. So do you want some... But I think we need context for this question, right? Okay. Go on. So I'm going to paraphrase, but um, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go and read the full question. So this mm. there's this GM, and they have a game uh, that they're running, and they said they're partly to blame for this peeing things. Characters. The characters in the game right, are right, peeing right. on things. Mm-hmm. They said, on two separate occasions, my party successfully solved a riddle slash puzzle by using IP on it as a solution. 
In yeah, both yeah. situations, urine was not intended as the solution, but yeah. technically it was correct, so they allowed it. And the issue this has brought is that now, anytime there's a puzzle and they reach a roadblock, they just pee on it to see if that will work. Which, like, yeah, and they're like, how do we stop this? Because they're like, they're fine with a little bit of silliness, but at a certain point, it's like, the joke's done, can we, you know, can we stop? Uh, and this is, um, and that's the situation they're in, so I don't know if you have any advice. For context, I wanted to know mm. why peeing was a solution. Like, they had one example where there was a door, and in order for it to open, they need to get the door wet. So peeing mm. on it technically worked, even though that, so that's not really have, the solution. Yeah. Why don't you have a door that if it gets wet, that's the opposite of the right solution, and that makes things worse? Okay. So then they'll learn not to make everything wet, because sometimes that's a bad thing. Mm. So you're saying give them a puzzle where them peeing on it would give negative consequence? Yes. That's what you would do, right. okay? Yeah. Well, I'm not necessarily saying that's what I would do, but that is a. a oh, there is a possible solution, okay? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, there, uh, there are two things we have to bear in mind. One, of course, is that urine is a solution consisting of water, urea, and various other mineral salts. Mm-hmm. Um, the obvious thing is this makes it extremely conductive. So, if they were to, I don't know, pee on something electrically charged, uh, this could lead to a varying amount of lightning damage being administered to them. Do not recommend. But, that yeah, would that amount to what we like to call a very bad day, is what that would be. Yes, yes, yes. I, you should probably whack a stunned condition on there as well. That, 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 that That's how you could approach it. Uh, it depends upon where you stand. If you're like, I think this is funny, but I'd like them to try something else first, then that's definitely an option. Or if this is actually causing you distress and you just like them to quit it, then talk to them like adults. Controversial, I know. Scary, I know. But often worthwhile, I'd say, please, please. My players, please stop weeing on absolutely every single thing within this dungeon. This will only improve the quality of our game. So our answer is electricity or conversation. One of those two things. Yeah. My, it's basically the short version of our answer. <laughs> Mine would be to to talk to the table about it. Because I find most frustrating issues in D&D campaigns and groups or things I see posted on here is generally like a social issue opposed to a mechanical or role-playing one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, you know, resolve that with our words. So maybe just say to them, hey, guys, like, I know it was quite funny with the peeing on things as a thing, but the joke's getting a bit tired. Can we stop doing that now? And just oh, you saying that... That your, pe- that your players are indulging what they believe to be your, uh, shall we say, profound interest in the social <laughs> eventuality. Maybe. We just don't know. We don't... I would recommend talking to them and saying, yeah. if this is not your interest... Could you yeah. stop? I, th- yeah. I think just asking them to stop would be good. And they've, they've yeah. commented that they're, this is their group of friends as well. So, mm. yes. you know, so I'm mm. sure that would be fine. Best of luck to you. Um, mm. Bad fashion, their handle is. <laughs> okay. So, shall we, get on with, shall we get on with the news? Let's get on we with the news. news. Okay. Well, the first bit of news is yes. it is time, that time of year, where uh. we find out what the most anticipated tabletop RPG of 2023 is. Is this wow. what that song is about? The most wonderful time of the year? Yeah. Oh. That's exactly Ooh. what that song is about. Cool. Oh. Oh, it's cool that they wrote a song about it. I think oh, no. it's like the second song we've had written for the podcast. <laughs> oh, what can I say? We're obviously <laughs> culturally relevant. <laughs> so so t- tell us more, Russ. So, it happens in two phases. We do this every year on EN World and... The first phase is the nomination phase at the moment. There'll be a link in the show notes. Everybody can nominate their most anticipated RPG of 2023. It has to be a full RPG, not a supplement, not an adventure, mm. not a setting book. It has to be an actual RPG, and a tabletop role-playing game. 
Um, it has to be coming out in 2023. It can't mm-hmm. be your own game. Okay. And to nominate it, all you need to do is post in the thread, which we'll link in the show notes, with the name of the game and a link to it. Because if you make me Google, it's not a valid nomination because I am lazy and will not. So that's that the first is very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that, that's the first bit of news. So that, and that's the first stage. It's the, uh, it's the nomination stage. Then once we've got all the nominations in, I can pile them into a big list. Everyone gets to vote. And then we count down from 10 to 1, probably in January. We'll do that. Yeah. That sounds like a laugh. Yeah. So there we go. Most anticipated RPG of 2023. You two got any that you're anticipating? Oh, I'm on the spot. My mouth has gone blank. I've got two because I recently oh. interviewed them on Not D&D and they're little indie ones. Um, so one is called... Uh, and if you're interested in these, there's a full like half hour interview with the, the creator behind it on Not D&D. Uh, so one is called Drama Llamas. Mm. Uh, mm. And you play as a reality TV contestant who is also a llama. Interesting. Yes. Uh, so it's just silly fun. So you could be like on the Great British Bake Up or RuPaul's Drag Race or whatever. And it's just mm-hmm. silly fun one shot. And I was like, do you know what? Yes, that's great. I, I like that. Uh, and there is another one um, called, which is going to be this Monday's, not D&D episode, so the, the, the next one. It's called uh, Playball, which is a sports anime TTRPG, mm-hmm. and it's around yeah. baseball. And I've got very limited knowledge of both fields, but from what I do know as an anime, all big popular animes have like a baseball episode, and it's like a thing, because uh, mm. it's really popular over there. So that is uh, the other one there that's coming out next year. Um, so mm. there's two little indie games that um, I'm definitely going to take a look at, because... Okay, well, the one I'm looking forward to is probably not indie, but Pendragon Sixth Position is coming out. Oh, so I'm picking up that, that one. I'm looking that's forward to quite that. indie. I mean, like, I don't know. I feel we need more than a D and indie split to allow for a better conversation about it. I yeah, I, I mean, that is generally my definition because I'm not D and I'm like, is your game Dungeons and Dragons? No, the then one, you can come on and talk about it. The other one I'm vaguely interested in. Is, yeah. Do you remember the Batman Gotham City Chronicles role-playing game that got announced mm. a while back? We did talk oh, about it on the was show. Was that in French? It's by a French publisher. They're doing yeah. an English version of it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Monolith, that's, that's Monolith back, Games, yeah. that is. Mm. That's due out next year as well, and I'm quite mm. intrigued by that. I haven't had much noise about it since it was announced. Everything's gone a bit mm. quiet, but I am very, very interested in seeing just how that comes out. I can segue some other news about uh, Monolith Games. Can you? Is it, is, it, is it also about Modifius? Yes. <laughs> I thought it might be. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Conan RPG, uh, Adventures mm-hmm. in an Age Undreamed Of, which is what mm-hmm. a title. Anyway, so Modifius had that 2D20 based game, and they're not publishing that anymore because their license is coming to an end. Um, so, you can still buy the stuff. They're like having a sale of the stock and stuff until the 30th of June. So if you're Six like... Six-month sale-off period, that yeah. sounds right, yeah. So if you've always been meaning to pick that up, now is now is the time. But yeah, it's moving to the French public, Monolith. Um, and because they're and that makes sense because they're developing the Conan board game line. So I mm. guess they're taking the RPG now as well. There's lots of speculation about this, about what happened. And oh, my really? Yes. Well, my guess is what happened was Modifius has produced like 20-odd hardcover books for Conan. And it's mm. got to get, be getting to the point where they're kind of running out of stuff to write about. The stuff they're mm. getting is more niche, and obviously sales are going to be tapering off yeah. as you get more and more niche with the topics you're writing about. I, I'm waiting just... for Conan's Guide to uh, Fine Porcelain China and Petticoats. That's what I'm holding out for. Yeah. When do you think that's going to drop? So, the um, I forgot what I was saying. Now. What was I saying? 
Excellent. They've got, they got loads of lines again. They're running out of content. Yeah, so I, I think it's a good chance. So they just said, look, you know, it's, it's time for us time for us to stop. Someone else can start again with a new system. Mm-hmm. Um, because because it's not, you know... It's maybe not, it's not a profitable line. We've done all line. the juicy stuff. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. not a profitable line for them anymore. Because in fairness, Modifius do have one or two licenses of <laughs> yeah. quite big games. Just yeah. a couple. Uh, so maybe they're just looking at their roster, but it's, I mean, it's hard from the outside. How, how can we know really? So yeah, we're just guessing. Yeah, we're, we're just guessing, guessing. but, um, but yeah, so but they seem yeah. good natured about it. And like Modifius and Monolith have commented on it in the press release and oh, yeah. good natured and, you know, no we're, we're happy to be handing the baton on and stuff like that. There's nothing, there's mm-hmm. nothing, doesn't appear to be any, you know, malice or anything bad has happened or anything. I think, I, I think it's all quite mutual from what yeah. I can make out. Quite mutual and amicable, as far as I can tell. Cool. Yeah. So that was my yeah. bit of news related to, to Monolith. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, you know uh, the old uh, D&D Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie? Oh, I've not yes. heard about that. Picture. What? There's a D&D movie coming out. <laughs> when is that coming is it? out? <laughs> so that's coming out April 2023, as you well know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's actually, um, um, actually, it's the 31st of March, 2023. Well, the poster I'm looking at is oh. April 2023. Well, is this, the, press release, the press release I have says 31st of March. Oh, no. Oh, damn. Well, you got Chris Pine himself told me. It, <laughs> no, he didn't. I'm lying. Yeah. So <laughs> what has just come out is a new yeah. poster mm-hmm. and a sort of behind-the-scenes combat sort of trader, like behind-the-scenes mini featurette yeah, yeah. thing. Um, the thing to take away from that uh, mini featurette thing is there's quite a lot of animatronics going on in this film. Yeah, it looks very mm. cool. CGI, Ooh. which which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. practical I think, effects do age a lot better. Yeah, they do. And it's they like do. you get better performances, in my opinion. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I agree entirely. Entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and the new poster just has them all just like standing in a circle looking down at someone or something. <laughs> This sounds amazing. Can I see? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely a movie poster. It is definitely oh, a movie yeah. poster. That's a good one. Yeah. What is odd, though, yeah. is they're not all standing there bending over, looking down at anything. Hmm. Those are all vertical shots of them standing up straight that have just been turned sideways. <laughs> if you want, yeah. Once you see that, you can't unsee it. They're not actually, they're all, each of those are individual vertical normal shots. None of them are bending down or anything. They just like turn them sideways and just. Like arrange them in a circle. Oh, I see. With their heads so in the centre. Well, uh, well, it's easily explained. What it is is they're standing on a gravitational anom- in a gravitational anomaly zone, uh, and thus that must be it. That must be. It. <laughs> yeah, it can't be it's anything else. Only reasonable explanation. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes. That's sense. coming close now, though, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. It's ready for my birthday. Not, That's what it's. It's not looking awful. No. I mean, so far it's not looking awful. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, watch it. I think it's going to be good. Mm. I think it's going to be all right. You know, I hope it's going to be all right anyway. Uh, oh, it's got Michelle Rodriguez in. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, I'm concerned because like, she is an excellent actress, mm-hmm. but her ability, but she has like a Sean Bean-esque ability to survive to the end of films. And by Sean Bean-esque ability to survive to the end of films, I mean not survive. Yes. So that that is giving me the fear. But I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for Michelle for this one. You can do it. <laughs> You can make it to the end, I believe. Hopefully, hopefully. But um, I think it's gonna be. It looks like it's gonna be like an action comedy 
So, mm. and there's going to be a bit it's of got, silliness. It's Guardians of the things. Galaxy style. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that, and I think that's right for it if you're going to do yeah. a D&D campaign. Because you either go a very serious Lord of the Rings route, mm-hmm. but we kind of have that kind of epic story. So I think having like, oh, here's a bunch of chaotic heroes, chaos ensues. Still holding out for my Dragonlance Chronicles TV show. Yeah, and maybe, yeah. you know, there'll be a scene where they're constantly peeing on things to try and solve puzzles. Who knows? Almost. I mean, you say that, but like... As soon as, soon as uh, user bad fashions thing reaches the ears of the Hollywood producers, they'll be called back for reshoots. Yeah, an extra scene will be added, exactly. and I feel the movie will only be the stronger for it. Exactly. Mm. But yeah. So anyway, moving on from that, on from films to live streams. So Gale I think we've moved on from the peeing on things. Oh God! <laughs> oh, that was awful, Peter. Get out. <sighs> Leave. I don't expect you are this fire from, from this podcast. I expect this sort of shenanigans from Russ, but I expect better from you. Hold oh. you to a higher standard. Oh, I think the, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Speech yeah, is that's exactly up. how I. It's exactly how I feel. Anyway, Gale song Dragon's Convergence. Yes, has been announced by D and D Beyond, yes. and it's a live streamed game, D and D game, where they're oh. playing. Um, I think Dragons of Storm Rekai. I think it is. Okay. Um, and this uh, will be featuring a cast of disabled players and characters. Mm-hmm. So it's being produced along with the Disabled Community of Wizards. Um, it's a three-day long thing. Includes an American Sign Language interpreter. Nice. Um, with special appearances from people like Matt Mercer and other mm. famous people. Big on and the streaming that- scene. Yeah, and so that is happening on... Let's have a look. So it kicks off on Tuesday, December the 13th. Yeah. Cool. Then it continues on the 15th, yeah. and then finally on the 17th. Okay. And that will be on the D&D Beyond YouTube channel and, I presume, Twitch thing. Twitch stream, I guess. Yeah, 7pm Eastern. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It's on the D&D Beyond YouTube channel as well. Yeah. Uh, I used to play Gloomhaven. The- I have. Yes. Because I don't know anything about the board game, but there is an RPG coming. Mm. Oh, really? So what's the board game? Tell me what the board game is. Um, So it's like a tactical battle game, I'd describe it Mm. as. And you have loads of different scenarios. So you have a book, so you do play through, and you do level up, your upgrade your character as you go through, and it's a card-based combat system. Right, okay. There we go. Is that a good summary? Yeah, that's that's another (laughs) one. Yeah. Uh, Miniatures and stuff moving around a map, is it? Yeah, people have tried to tell me... It has a dungeon crawl simulator. I'm afraid that for me makes it fall into the uncanny valley because it's not a dungeon crawl simulator. No. It is as Jessica describes it, and that's perfectly good. But I'm like, well, this is not what I was promised, and I'm sort of, I have, I have dissent. I'm good. Yeah. So for me, Gloomhaven is like it's nice, but I don't really need to spend what about a hundred hours to unlock everything. Because you unlock stuff as you play, I believe. Yeah, it's kind of like leveling up your character in a Mm. way, which I did quite enjoy. And there are some secret surprises and boxes. Like, there's some boxes you can open when you do this. So it's quite... I I, I really liked it when I played. I played through it in, like... I want to say it was around, like, 2016, 17 was when I played Mm. it when it first came out. So it's been a while ago since I played it. But I really enjoyed it. And I had a group of friends, and we kind of played it as a group of four of us. And at the time, I was... I had my board game cafe, so I couldn't attend every session. And it didn't yeah. affect the game too badly if I wasn't there and the three of them could still play a scenario. Yeah. Um, so it was quite a good game for that. Yeah. But yeah, um, 
It's interesting. I think, yeah. Frosthaven, I think, that's come out for it as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I think potentially there's a lot of lore there. Mm-hmm. I think it could be an excellent RPG. Yeah, it's going to hit Kickstarter in April, so I guess we'll find out. And I, yeah, yeah. what I like about it, I think the um, game system is going to be based on the card-based oh. combat system that they have in the mm. board game, oh. and the idea is it's cross-compatible, oh. right, okay. which will be interesting to see. I'll probably pick that yeah. up and have a look at that. So mm-hmm. maybe that will be somebody's vote for most anticipated RPG of 2023. Mm, uh, maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm anticipating it. Mm. With interest. So let's talk about Hasbro for a minute, shall we? Oh, yes, yes. So, there was a... They called it a Hasbro Fireside Chat. Was there and a basically, fire? I don't know. Okay. Hmm. Uh, but Hasbro's Chris Cox, who's the chief executive officer, used yeah. to run D&D, yeah. used to run Wizards of the Coast and got promoted mm-hmm. to um, uh, CEO of Hasbro. And yes. Cynthia Williams, who was currently president of Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. they talked about Magic the Gathering a lot. Mm-hmm. But they also brought up D&D. So I'm going to miss out on the Magic the Gathering stuff because that's not what we talk about here. But mm-hmm. we are going to talk a little bit about the D&D. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a lot of stuff and I've only got rough notes in front of me. So this is not quotes. This is very much paraphrased stuff. Okay. Okay. So there, there is a small chance that some of the paraphrasing that I'm using here might be slightly off target. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was kind of very quickly written down while listening to the actual chat and very much paraphrased. But so it's in three basic sections. The first one is about D and D Beyond. Yes. So D and D Beyond, of course, as we all know, is Wizards of the Coast sort of online tool suite, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. they bought last year, this year, this it year. Was this year, yeah, yeah. We talked. Yeah, about they bought it this year, but it's been around for years, mm-hmm. for five years or so. So they intend to, and this is obvious, lean heavily on D and D Beyond. We already know that because we're already seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are 13 million registered users of D&D Beyond, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's not necessarily subscribers. No, I think that's just the users. Yeah. Because like, yeah. I'm a user, so, I've got an account, but I don't have a page Yeah, me account. too. Me yeah. too, yeah. They hired 350 people. Cool. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What? Are they hiring I did not think that outfit was that of that scale. I mean, I knew it was, yeah. you know... the the, the gorilla, the big gorilla in the in the gaming industry, but I didn't think it was that enormous. Yeah. I, 350 I mean, people last year, just on D&D Beyond, so a lot of people. That That is, I mean, that's, wow. Um, what do you need these platoons of people for? <laughs> I think managing a site with a user base of that size of people. Mm. You think content yeah. moderation? Wow. Well, yeah, they're, you know, they, just, they're converting yeah. entire D&D books into sort of usable material on the yeah. platform. They've got their virtual tabletop coming, haven't they? Which mm-hmm. I imagine so, that's going to require quite a lot of manpower. Solid development team there. You'd have yeah. someone doing marketing, social media. They, yeah. they also mentioned that D&D Beyond has low attrition. Um, what does that mean? Does that just mean people oh, they, stick they've around? Got good retention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. okay. They have people yeah. throw up their hands and say, I quit! Yeah, yeah, okay. Which, anyone who's worked in content moderation, as you know, Russ, that's an ever-present danger of them wanting mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, they talked about a bit about what's coming up, what's next for D&D, sort of in the long term. They point out that D&D has never been more popular. Yes, that's true. The brand is currently, they say, under-monetized. 
Uh, okay, yeah, I'm laughing, but actually, no, that's, that's a fair point. They could extract even more money out of it. Yeah, I mean, they're not saying the game is under-monetized, it's in the branders. So my yeah, yeah. thought is they're talking about licensing and TV and cartoons and mm-hmm. toys and that, yeah. and that sort of stuff there. That's what I'm thinking. And not, yeah. I, I don't think they're trying to say D&D products are too cheap. Or no, no, it's like um, just all the associated merchandise. Other people mm. are making money out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's and lots of like, opportunities that they could... Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Hasbro, they are, if there's one thing they are good at, it's making stuff. Yeah, out of plastic to sell yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so I think yeah. that, I think maybe that's there's been some discussion in game designer circles mm. which makes it sound very elite but it's just yeah. some people talking on the internet uh, about like where like they're going with this I think the yeah. uh, rules for mass combat with Dragonlance that sort of them dipping their toes saying can we make a board game crossover because if we sell a board game then there will be Expansion yeah. packs. <laughs> but despite them saying, right, brand being under monetized, they do then go on to say that they want to start future monetization starting with D&D Beyond. Now, already you subscribe to D&D Beyond, don't you? Yeah. You can buy, you can buy books. Yeah. Because I got Dragon Arms on D&D Beyond. Yeah. You could also buy individual things like subclasses and, and you can already buy microtransactions and things like that as well yeah. already. I, I mean, they do have a really good model for that in fairness. So I wonder what they mean by Start future monetization. I mean, oh. what else could they do? Like, they're selling dice they're already. S- yeah, they so. sell different colored dice and backgrounds and wallpapers and yeah. things already. Limited, limited events, battle passes, all the microtransaction horror mm. that have been inflicted on mainstream computer games. They've got Microsoft people in charge of D&D. They can inflict that on D&D Beyond. So I'm like, yeah. ooh, no thank you. But for people who are stuck in that ecosystem, uh, commiserations. I, I guess, can't why. It's a I very guess, fun place to be. guess if you think about the virtual tabletop aspect of it as well, if that mm. is going to be in D&D Beyond as opposed to separate. And I don't mm. know whether it is or not. That mm. is starting to lock people's home games, less being around a table and more being played online, which is mm. a thing that is a thing that yeah, it's happening. a lot more people are playing online. Yeah. If people are being kind of locked into that, it is almost like they're playing multiplayer online games rather mm. than home games and that is a lot easier to monetize than like microtransactions on mm-hmm. that a game that's taking place at home separately from their yeah. own platform yeah. I, I mean before even before the lockdown and this big transition to online that we saw there were still people who like well I've made my character sheets on my tablet mm. using D&D Beyond so this yeah. is what I will use to roll and keep track of stuff yeah. and it makes it much easier that's yeah. what we did when my group played yeah. D&D couple of people mm. had tablets and they, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, other few points on that. Um, they can increase the speed of digital. Oh, yeah. Um, this may be something to do with the big higher. I, I don't know. They can earn the yearly book model. It will also include the current digital style models. So the way Dragonlance has been handled so far, you pre-order it, you get an early access, I guess, is what they're mm-hmm. saying, like I got for Dragonlance. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that's speculation on my part. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's new, but I could be mm. wrong. But, yeah. yeah. Then it talked a little bit about the reach of D&D. So apparently uh, the fan base is highly engaged and multi-generational. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd agree. That is very true. Yeah. D&D has very, very strong brand recognition, like 10 out of 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now this is interesting. Compared to Magic the Gathering, Magic the Gathering is the bigger part of Wizards of the Coast mm-hmm. to d d It makes yeah. more money. Yeah, it's bigger. But yeah. its brand recognition was like 3 out of 10. 
compared to D&D's 10 out of 10. Like, D&D's got a much... That's why you make a movie out of D&D, not Flash and Gathering. Flash and Gathering might be bigger, but D&D's got more brand recognition. Oh, wow. And also, yeah, special effects from Magic the Gathering. But I think that's just... Sorry. It's because, because, Pete, you need more people to play D&D. Like, Mm. if you want to play more Magic the Gathering, you can play with, like, just two people happily playing with different decks. And that is fine. That works. I reckon reckon you could walk up to mm -hmm. a random person and ask whether they've heard of D&D or Magic the Gathering, and they've heard of D&D but not Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah. A random person. Yeah, Yeah. that's... um... That, well, yeah, got... I think that's really true, because when I explain my job to random people, people know what D&D is now, which, mm, like, I was yeah. at the hairdressers literally this week, and they are like, oh, what do you do for a job? And I was like, have you heard of D&D? And they're like, yes. And I was like, yeah, well, I make games like that. So. Mm. Yeah. 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 So they also say that D&D um, is a cultural phenomenon, right? I can't say that word. Cultural phenomenon right now, mm-hmm. which I'd agree, yeah. Their strategy is what they call a broad four-quadrant strategy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that mean, I hear you ask? Presumably, they've got four prongs of attack upon which they wish to make more money. So, there's different four quadrants means different things in different um, industries. So, in the movie industry, a four quadrant thing is for um, demographic groups. Okay. Uh, basically, it's uh, female over twenty five, female under twenty five, male over twenty five, male under twenty five. Oh, the four different that's types one, of what, human. That's, that's it. Yes, because yeah. those are the four types of human. That's not what this is referring to. Though. <laughs> yes. Um, there's also some sort of uh, businessy terms which relate to it. But in this case, the four quadrant things for D&D are Blockbuster Entertainment, okay. movie, yeah. Triple A Gaming, Baldur's Gate 3, for example, an amazing set of products, hobby stores and books and accessories in D&D Beyond, things like that. Yeah. And okay. finally, casual stuff, like toys and games for casual fans, plushies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Things yeah. like that. So that's the four quadrants. It's nice t-shirts that you look at them and say, huh. Yeah. I don't really know what that is, but that is a really metal design. I'm gonna have that. Or oh, that's just really cute. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah exactly, fine. exactly. Yeah. So that's that's basically their strategy. Uh, um, they like it dice to hang off your car <laughs> mirror. Oh, yeah. I want some of those. But they like it, they're like it to what Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, or Marvel are doing. They're all doing yeah. that too. It's yeah. just geek culture stuff, isn't it? Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But D and D hasn't quite yet done that. No, in no. the way that those those. Those properties have done that. Marvel obviously mm-hmm. is doing it incredibly well. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's well, kind yeah. of D wants to be Marvel, I guess. Yeah. Why not? Well, they want to make all the money, so that's mm. that's the plan. Yeah. I mean, you could do it. You could have a whole thing where you introduce all these different worlds and things, all sorts of stuff. I, I mean, at uh, Dragon Meat the other day, we saw people selling edible dice. Hmm. So yeah, so they're going to do new books, accessories, licensed game stuff, D and D Beyond. They've got big, big, big hopes for it. I think that's fair. I think, like they're saying, they're not monetizing it as much is because I've played D&D for a long time, but mm. I've actually never bought a book. I've never mm. given them my money for that. But when I played Magic, The Gathering, mm. I spent a lot of money on Magic, The Gathering. <laughs> um, so I think that's maybe why, even though the brand recognition is not as much, there's not as many people playing Magic as there are D&D, but the people that are playing Magic are spending a lot of money on it. Like, mm. Back in 1998, I was introduced to it as Tragic the Addiction. Yeah. I don't think anything's materially changed in the, the consequent quarter century. On the other hand, I've never, ever played Magic the Gathering in my entire life. I was, I was really oh, into it. Oh, that's actually how. In, um, around, was it around 20, 
15, I was really oh, into yeah. Magic the Gathering and I played a lot. Oh, yeah. And I went to the Pro Tour qualifier one year as well. I didn't do well. Wow. I did, no, I didn't do... No, oh. don't get it wrong. I didn't do well. I didn't get through anything. So went. But I yeah. went. Um, yeah. And yes, yeah, so I was playing a lot. And I was spending hundreds of pounds on new sets when they came out and like buying cards yeah, yeah. and stuff to, in order wow. to have a competitive deck. So I think... That's maybe why Magic makes a lot of money compared to D&D. Because if you're a casual D&D player and you play once a week with your friends, yeah. like, that, generally, and as they said, I imagine the DM buys the books, has them so on the table. So they've actually got some stats on this, actually. The, 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 the system away, reference Russ. document so is free. Stats, mm-hmm. stats on this said, DMs are 20% of the audience, mm-hmm. yes. but the lion's share of purchases. Yeah. Which exactly. I guess is obvious. Because you're buying the adventure reason. book yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Yeah, and that's always been the case, like as long as I can remember. Yeah. That has always been the case. Mm. But anyway, um the last thing they talked about was a little bit about the D and D movie. Yes. So they say this is the first big opportunity for the fourth quadrant of those things they were talking about, mm-hmm. the four yeah. quadrants. Um they've got significant marketing involved with it. They think it's gonna have a significant box office. They think it's gonna do well. I think so. I think it'll do well. Um it has the second yeah. most viewed trailer at Paramount. Oh. It's only been eclipsed by Transformers. Okay. Wow. Uh, um, there will be licensed video games for it, mm-hmm. and follow up okay. on other media, TV, possibly other movies, that sort of thing. So Probably, they're going. Yeah. Hasbro is going all in on D and D as a brand, and really they they are determined to make it big and you know a proper big brand, and not just a tabletop role playing game. It's going to be a brand across yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Interesting. I have. Interesting I have hopes. I have hopes that if D and D lifts up, it drags the rest of the industry up with it. Yeah, maybe. Because that's generally yeah. what's happened in the past when D&D's done that's, well or everything yeah, I mean, else. That's the, that's you know, the rising tide lifts all wisdom. boats type yeah. philosophy. Mm. There are people out there that think that's not true. Um, um, I don't, I'm not sure myself. Well, I think there's I a lot don't. of people who buy into the D&D ecosystem, stay mm. there and never want to move. Sure. Mm. But there's also a certain amount of mixing with people who are like, yeah, I mean, actually, there are other role-playing games. Yeah. And then they mm-hmm. sort of wander out of the walled, walled garden and like, Oh, wow. Yeah. There's so a what, lot of stuff out here. Yeah. So what, what D&D can do is player acquisition, which is what nobody yeah. else can do. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. You've more articulately yeah. said what I was trying to. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Like, but it's whether I, or not those people then move on to try other things or not. I think there's always a percentage that do. And so if mm. just more people are doing that, there's just a bigger yeah. slice of that percentage. Yeah. Because, I I mean, yeah. I'm 100% that person. Like, D&D isn't really the system that I would would play but mm. ended up playing mm. it but then when I stepped out into the indie space had a great time so yeah. and I think there's always going to be people like that like you say Peter there's always going to be people that D&D does everything they want it to so why would they mm. move which is fair enough mm-hmm. but I just think you know in the same way that maybe you really get into you know sci-fi yeah. movies there are other movie genres available I think stuff like conventions and so forth are incredibly important for doing that because yes. that's the sort of thing that can someone drag along and then they just go and they see a wall of other games and they're like, this isn't D&D. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I think live streaming helps with that as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, no. I think there's a lot of people who've never played D&D and they just watch the live streams and they really enjoy it. And you know what? Fair play to them. Mm-hmm. If you're one of these people, I recommend try and get a game in because it's... It, Honestly, it's not that difficult. Otherwise, people like me and Russ wouldn't there's be able some, to run them. There's some proper gatekeepy stuff out there about people who um, watch live streams but don't play D&D. Oh, really? Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, people yeah. enjoy things. I used to see that on Twitter when I was on Twitter. Like, oh, why? that makes sense. It's just, yeah. let people enjoy D&D the way uh, they want yeah. to enjoy it. Some people buy the books just to read. Some people, like, 
live streams. Some people play it, some people do this, some people do that, you know, whatever. Yeah. As long I as mean, people I, are enjoying I, it. I don't fine. understand it myself. You're having right. fun wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bad wrong fun. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, if you yeah. want to play a game, I'll, I'll, I'll probably run a game if you talk to me and say, oh, Peter, a game. I'm like, oh, okay then. <laughs> anyway, anyway, three circle back around the Dragon Dance. Yes. Always. Let's because always. Because there is a. A, B, T, D, L. What? Always be talking Dragonlands. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've never heard that before? No. <laughs> Surprisingly. That's why yeah, both of us looked them. at you like that was the wildest thing we've heard. Um, anyway. Yeah, so I can't um, hope that you people aren't cool with your finger on the pulse like me. <laughs> anyway, would okay. you like a free Dragonlands Monstrous Companion? Yeah. A free Dragonlands Monstrous Companion? Free. If you go over to D&D Beyond, you can claim a free... Dragonlance Monstrous Companion. They did one of these, if you recall, for Spelljammer. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spelljammer came out. So there is one on D&D Beyond for Dragonlance Creatures. It's got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 creatures and or foes mm-hmm. in it. Um, those who are familiar with... And these these are kind of... aren't Weren't in the current Dragonlance adventure because they're sort of broader Dragonlance stuff or okay. they're from the, from the previous Chronicles... Uh, adventures. So, we've got people like, people might recognise Verminard, Lord Verminard, Dragon High Lord Verminard, mm-hmm. and his mount, his dragon Ember. Mm-hmm. Verminard, Peter, you're familiar with Verminard, yeah? Uh, the name just ring bells. Pax uh, Farkas. Uh, I, you know what, i got to say, I was more of a Lord Toeid fan, right, because okay. that little hobgoblin just won my heart. So, he was the leader of the Red Dragon Army. Yeah. The, he, he, he was an affected villain as opposed to a comedy villain yeah, or a sexy yeah. villain, right? Yeah. And or or a or a or an incel villain like yeah. Monsoff. So yeah. that like effective was cool, but it didn't really catch my imagination as much. Okay. Well, he's in there. He's a CR seventeen evil cleric. Sounds, okay, sounds evil. Ember, okay. his red dragon is CR yeah. twenty two. Okay. okay. Do you remember the forest master, the unicorn in darkened wood? Uh, Jess is totally not going to meet at all early next year. <laughs> Hashtag spoilers. Uh, I know, right? He's such. Oh, anyway. No, I'm afraid. I'm afraid he's not. Well, the forest master was in there. Guys. There's also things like Nevermind Gnome Inventors, woohoo, and various other bits and pieces um, no. like Thanoi and Urges and stuff like that. Jack, which is former Dragonlance. So yeah, there's like a, a you know one. What, how many did I say it was? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different creatures in there. Totally nice. free, which you can use in your Dragonlance game, but they're not really suited to the current campaign because they're from different areas of the world yeah. or different time periods. Well, what can I say? Free stuff is free stuff. Free stuff is indeed free stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. what was this called? Sorry? This is called the uh, D&D Monstrous Compendium Volume 2 Dragonlance Creatures over oh, on right. D&D Beyond. Okay, because I'm, tr- I'm just trying to find that. <laughs> is there any other news that you two know of that I may have missed? Yes. Um, oh, Ooh. go, go, go. Uh, this is another Kickstarter that's coming out in 2023. So it might be worth mm-hmm. mentioning just in case people want to vote it as uh-huh. their most anticipated role-playing game of 2023 on EM World. Um, it's by Fragging Unicorn Games. Uh, so oh, yes. Subversion, which I don't know a lot about. But that's coming mm, to Kickstarter yeah. early 2023, they've said. It's a cyberpunk meets fantasy role-playing game in the same universe as their skirmish miniature war game, Gangs of Undercity, which I'm not familiar mm. with, but if you are, 
Maybe that's the thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, players uh, and the roles of envoys for their community in the sprawling megacity of Neo Babylon. But yeah, mm-hmm. and it's a custom D6 dice pool system. Sounds like a shadow one. Mm. Yeah, adjacent. It, it, it does look that way. Uh, there's a there's a picture at the bottom of the uh, news digest on EM World, so you can mm. take a look at it there. But yeah, it's mm. it's coming out early 2023, and that looks interesting to me. I I don't know the Gangs of Undercity skirmish oh. war game. Are you familiar wow. with it, Peter? Okay. Uh, no, but I'm just looking at that picture, and it's screaming shuddering at me mm. Mm. from the art style, like the font. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, your editor Daryl here, and I just wanted to jump in real quick to say that the reason Subversion looks a lot like Shadowrun is that the team at Fragging Unicorns working on the project are freelancers who also work on Shadowrun, including O.C. Presley, Clifton Lambert, and Russell Zimmerman. Uh, one yeah. of the sorcerers, it looks like they have yeah. like a Doctor Strange-style gold kind of disc there. Oh, yeah, the well. ma- ma- magical disc. We've got mm. like some sort of goblin, probably a shaman. Yeah, mm. oh, it's, it's looking good there. It looks, looks like interesting. A... It's nice artwork. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is pretty, got to say. I don't, know, much, I don't know much about it. No, no. But yeah, just for people's consideration. So that's the only other bit Ooh. of news I had for your um, consideration. It worked for Hacking Unicorns. Okay. Yeah. Ah, I do enjoy a good session of Barrows and Bear Owls. Ah, me too. I uh, I really hope you have something epic planned for us tonight. Oh, I do. Now, where were we? Oh, uh, we were just about to enter the Hill Giant encampment. Right, right. So, turning a corner, you see, somewhat unsurprisingly, a large Hill Giant. A large one? Ooh, this might be one of the leaders. Get ready. Yeah, just our luck to run into one of the big ones. Sorry, sorry, I feel like I wasn't clear. The hill giant is large. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we heard you. Yeah, a big, mean old hill giant. Yeah, we're ready. No, no, what I mean is, well, hill giants are normally size huge. Right, and this one is... Size large. Okay, and size huge is bigger than size large. That's correct, yes. So, what you're saying is that this large hill giant... Is in fact a small... Hill giant. I, I, I mean, well, it's smaller, smaller than a huge hill giant, but it's not size small. If you get my meaning. Really? Who comes up with this stuff? Okay, I'll attack the large, small hill giant with my axe. Oh, whilst I blast it with arcane bolts. The hill giant is slain. You press onwards into the camp, and movement catches your eye. Oh, let me guess. A small giant, which isn't that large? No, no, it's a centipede. Um, a large centipede? A giant centipede. Which means it's large. It's large. For a centipede. But it's size... Small. I give up. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Could you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget patreon.com slash morris. Can I go now? Right, so our topic this week 
Mm-hmm. It's all about GM mistakes. And this came about mm. because we were asked two questions, which yeah. we decided would be best combined into a topic. And those questions came from Ben Rogers, mm-hmm. as questions often do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one was, if an encounter seems balanced on paper but goes south quickly in play, what ways have you found to salvage it? Mm-hmm. And the other one was, when GMing, or even as a player, what do you find is the best way to handle it if you realise you made a bad call in terms of interpreting the rules? Mm-hmm. So I think they they kind of, these, those questions very much overlap, and it's all about kind of, yeah. you realise something, and do you rewind, Do you what do you do? How do you handle these things? Mm-hmm. So... I know there's like out there, there's different schools of thought. There's people who like yeah. to roll in the open, people who don't. There's people yeah. who are happy to fudge rolls, people who are not. Mm-hmm. There's um, people who are very, very strict. The rules as written, the dice as they fall. Other people who are perfectly happy just to narrate stuff off in yeah, roller cool and all that. Yeah. Whatever yeah. seems most fun for the moment, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different styles out there. So whatever yeah. we say is not the be all and end all of it. It's oh, just yeah. what we do. Yeah. yeah. So with that said. Mm. Let's start with the easier one. Mm. So as a player, mm. you've been playing along perfectly fine. You suddenly realise you yeah. made a big mistake. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, you did your damage all wrong last round and that creature that shouldn't be dead, mm. should that creature that is dead shouldn't be dead. Yeah. Or, mm. or vice versa or something like that. What do you do? First of all, do you own up to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Secondly, what do you think is the best way to handle that situation? Well, mm. I've recently had this sort of thing happen to me. So my party mm-hmm. this year transferred from using D&D 5e to level up advanced 5th edition. And it's a new system yep. for everybody. And so, and of course, sometimes we're going to make mistakes because we, mm-hmm. we do things in the D&D way we're used to. And then we're like, oh, actually, in this world, it's like this. You know, things like that happen. So this happens yeah. all the time. Um, so what I do, uh, if I realise, I go, oh, sorry, actually, I just realised and I explain the rule that I've done wrong. And like, in the example you guys said, oh, the monster actually shouldn't be dead. What my mm. party's done at the time have gone, oh, okay, mm. well, let's leave it as that now because it doesn't break the story in the game. Mm. But just so everyone's aware, that is what the rule is. And going forward, we're going to play it properly. Mm. And then we mm. just move mm. on. So that's my my approach as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't tend to rewind stuff unless unless yeah. maybe a player, a character died, which shouldn't have died. Yeah, I'd, I might mm. be more inclined to rewind then. But otherwise, yeah. generally, I'll work. I think that's like towards the high end yeah. of the thing. Mm-hmm. It depends where you are when you realise. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Yeah. I have had a The only time I've uh, had a situation where we've rewound something is not because of like game mechanics, but because of like social reasons. So I had a character mm. say something and basically blew up at the rest of the party and was like, ah, you're all terrible. This is all your fault. These people are... And had this whole thing. And mm. then we kind of had near the end of the session. We're like, hmm... I don't know why this party would stay together after this big fight. And we were talking mm-hmm. about our character. And we're like, actually, I think we have to. And the person that did that was like, actually, can I take that back? And I'm happy to say we yeah. had a little argument about it, but it wasn't that epic. And they were like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. fine. Let's pretend that just happened. Because uh, yeah. it was such a big fight. I was like, I don't know why we'd stay friends. <laughs> like after, no, yeah. you know, wow. so and that's difficult because obviously you, out of the game, you want to. Keep, everyone wants to keep playing together. Uh, so that's the yeah. only reason I've had to go back and redo things is because, you know, somebody said something that I'm like actually thinking on it, I don't want that to happen because that'll take the story in a place I don't want it to go. Mm. But yeah, I don't know what situations, like you said, if, if somebody died as a consequence of a bad rules, what other situations mm. would you do a rewind? I think that's probably the only real situation I would mm-hmm. do a rewind. Unless it's like a rewind of a couple of seconds, you know, like they've oh, literally yeah. just done it. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd rather just get on with it. 
I really would. Yeah. I'd just keep going and just say, okay, remember for next time, because yeah. it doesn't matter all that much generally unless a, a character has actually died, mm. I don't think. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, uh, I think I was playing a game of Death Watch and mm. um, I managed to miss. I'd like had the helmet. I had my character's helmet off. I just didn't calculate the damage properly, so I thought I was really terribly wounded. Mm. But this was one of those times when I just rolled a maximum on the dice. Right. Mm. So my character was actually like something that would have killed like a regular person was just like, oh, okay, that that's fine. Actually, yeah. I'm 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 actually good. I thought I was much worse, than, much 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 more hurt than I was. Yeah, because I miscalculated it. So we're like, okay, so actually they were just clutching at their face for a couple of turns and they're like, oh, oh, it's just, it's just a scratch. Right, let's get mm. that. Well, we've all, <laughs> so that, we've all done probably... that in real life, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, can you think of any examples of like bad calls, like from a GM point of view, maybe, where well, this... like, rules have been interpreted? I mean, bad, I think bad call is a, a strong term. Um, mm. I mean, it sounds a bit judgmental, don't it? but you know, situations where a GM has realized that mm. the rules have been interpreted incorrectly. Yeah, uh, I mean, ooh, crikey. At, at the, I mean, this, this is, this is a large part of the reason why I like favoured my rules as written approach, which yeah. is like, we have an arbiter, we can go and check, mm. just, just in case there is a problem. Um, but also it's like a tension between checking the rules to make sure it's being done properly and also just playing the game. Getting yeah, on with it, yeah, nobody yeah. wants Clearly. to sit through somebody flicking through checking everything every five minutes. That's not fun. Well, some people actually do. Oh, Lord. I don't, I'm not saying they're a, a majority, but these people do exist. Okay. And fair play to them. It's not my sort of fun. Mm-hmm. It's their sort of fun. Yeah. And I try not to be judgmental about it. I personally wouldn't enjoy that a lot unless we could do it super quickly. Yeah. Which, in fairness, control and find. Control yeah, F with a PDF. To find things. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, that. I th- that was actually what changed me into a rules lawyer. Actually, being to find the rules quickly yeah. within seconds. Yeah, yeah I, would, I wouldn't mind minutes. that. That would be fine. Mm. I think mm. with that situation yeah. we talked about, I was very mm. much talking about the rules going wrong from a player perspective, like owning mm-hmm. up, moving back. Mm. Do you think that still applies to G- like to, to GMs as well? Because there's like a is there's yeah. a power imbalance with this? Yeah. Well, I suppose mm. there's two instances for GM. One is where a player notices that you've done something wrong and points it out. Yeah. yeah. The other was where the GM themselves notices. Do they bring it up, I, or do they just go ah okay and move on? Yeah. I had my um, my GM bring it up. They said, "Oh, sorry, I did this wrong." Exactly the same situation I said. They said, oh, sorry, I've yeah, done this yeah. wrong. Um, we're going to leave it at that, but for next time I won't do that. And just to clarify, the rule is this. So going forward, it will be this. I think I think the one tension point, the one yeah. problematic area you might get there is when the GM does something wrong, a player brings it up yeah. and won't let it go. Yeah. And yeah. the GM's like, okay, got it. Okay, but we need to move on and play this game. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. player, I've seen this happen before. This player yeah. just won't let it go. And it's kind of like, okay, it's not that important. Mm-hmm. But it's not I, guess it, I, mean, I guess to it you. is to that player. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. it is to that but, player. Yeah. And people enjoy the game in different ways, as we've said before, and people have different mm-hmm. personalities and yeah. like different things. But if it is disrupting the game, mm-hmm. I think, you know, at some point you have to put your foot down and just say, look, we are moving on. We have to. Mm-hmm. We can discuss it afterwards. Yeah. We can make changes for future games, but for the moment we are continuing on with the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it basically depends. Uh, I have found that there's nothing that... Uh, oh, sorry. I got that wrong, or yes, you're completely mm-hmm. correct. I got that wrong. That that solves like a lot of problems. Yeah, ninety nine percent of people are totally fine with that anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and also if we are in the example of game with meta currency, for example, Savage Worlds or D and D, I'm like, yeah, 
have some inspiration, have a Benny, whatever. Um, and maybe that, maybe and that's like written into the rules. If if if, uh, <laughs> if if a mistake, a rules oh, mistake no. is made, the GM can arbitrate compensation by means of a brownie but point. I'm or whatever. just worried that yeah. wouldn't get a whole load of rules, lawyers. So like watching his GM going, um, actually, you did this wrong, you know. And as a GM, someone's given up a lot of their time, uh, you know, to mm. run a game for you, and yeah. someone constantly nitpicking you, going, "That's not quite right. That's not quite right." And kind of like, oh, do we want to encourage well, well, that kind of player? Well, it's like, it depends upon the sort of game you're running. If you want yeah, to play fast and loose, then that's fine. That's rule of cool. That's okay. Well, no, I didn't even mean that. I just meant that Ooh. people that are running rules as written, but occasionally make a mistake yeah. because they are a human yeah. being. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 it's just, it just depends upon how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. You can even look at it as people catching you out, um, which would be a terrible way to look at it. Or you can look at it as people helping you to improve your form as a GM, so that you can become better and closer to perfection, I think, I think which, which is how I look at it. Mm-hmm. I look at it like, you know, I d- I've got four personal trainers who are going to help me become the very best GM I can mm-hmm. be, yeah. which is pretty sweet. Yeah. I think when you're running a game and someone's there flicking through a rule book and like, then they come up and go, oh, right, four rounds ago, mm-hmm. and they've been like looking for this rule and working it out for, for like 15, mm-hmm. 20 minutes. At yeah. that point, it's kind of like, oh. It's in the past. Let's just leave it yeah. now. It's too, you know. And that, four rounds ago is, well, I suppose in, in game terms, it's only like, what, 20 odd seconds ago, but. In, yeah, yeah. in real life, yeah. <laughs> in real life, it's quite yeah. a long time ago. It's like, it, you know, at that point, I don't, unless it's really, really derailing to the actual plot, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't see an awful lot of point in revisiting it. And that it, also says to me well, that player's not been yeah. engaged in the story for the last 15, 20 minutes while they've been flicking through the rule book. Well, again, okay, they've been engaged in to... the thing they're interested in. They're still engaged in the game. Just well, the part of the game that they're interested in is different to the part that perhaps you might maybe. be. Yeah, like, like, because I mean, what they spend fifteen, twenty minutes checking up something because they weren't invested in your game mm. because they didn't feel it was important. I'm not sure I'd agree with that. I think I think they are very invested, but possibly Hasra says they got a different investment. And again, it's like, okay, yeah, that's fair enough. We've got a game moving. Maybe throw them some form of conversation. It depends what they were looking up. Mm. Yeah, and that's why I like miracle currency. I'm trying to think of an, an example right now. It's kind of like other than you got the damage wrong, sort of thing. Yeah, um, um, I'm to like a spell oh, does something, uh, and a spell oh, is an ability that like opens a door, oh, yeah. or does a trap, spells. or something spells. like that. Yeah, because oh, yeah. there's a lot well, of spells where it's like technically you can't use it that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Often spells will, yeah, te- technically, yeah, and people will misread spells. And yeah, I've had I've had players yeah. in the past who are incredibly good. Are always misreading spells in their favour. <laughs> Jessica, never, why have you never, had your hand up? <laughs> you, would think, you, would, you would think that if you always misread spells, 50% of the time you would misread them to your detriment and 15% to your favour. Somehow, if it's always in your favour, I begin to think maybe it's not misreading. It's not, oh, it's not always oh, no. in my favour. <laughs> it is like, for me, I generally read spells wrong and think it can do this. And I miss, mm. like, a word that means it can't be done that way. I did this recently mm. with my bard. I took Magic Mouth, oh, the yeah. spell, because I thought oh. it was funny. That's stupid. Yeah, that's, I love it. It is. And then yeah. I saw you can get the thing where if you also have Vicious Mockery, you there is oh. a way to, like, use them <laughs> together. And I didn't realise I had <laughs> the specific thing I had to do to do that. I thought I just, no. if I had both, I could. And so I did yeah. that, and I was like, oh, I got this, and it's really cool, because it does this, blah, blah, blah. And my GM had to go, um, actually, Just... no. <laughs> and I was like, 
oh, and then they explain why. And then I was like, oh, and it does say it there. I just, I yeah. just, I just missed it. And I was like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, that's correct. I was like, well, if the opportunity comes, that is something I would like to do. So that was my feedback to the yeah. gym. They're like, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I just yeah. think that's really fun. Yeah. And I, it's it's yeah. a rare version of the spell. Yeah, yeah no, that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and again, like actually spells are one of the things I will tend to pull out onto a tabletop, a virtual tabletop and go through them. If I don't, if, if it, I mean, if it's something people use all the time, like healing word, I don't need to know. I don't need the text. I know the text of healing word. I've seen it so many times. Magic missile, same. Yeah. But for a lot of time, if it's something a bit more unusual, get it out. And then like by reading through with the table, they can make sure they're on the same page and they can follow how I think about it. And that sort of influences how they think about it. So quite a lot of the time, they'll actually be like reading it and then say, oh, okay, so it works like this. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, because we're all on the same page about what this is. And if there's a, it like helps, if you're doing this at lower levels with easier spells, mm-hmm. when you get up to the higher levels and the more complicated stuff with lots of spinning wheels and moving parts, actually, it just works a lot better. So yeah. Um, Do you think of it a time when you actually did rewind? Oh. Well, I shared mine, and that was because of the more of yeah. like a social role play reason than a mechanical reason. Right, yeah. 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 Mm, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Something I've ever rewound, actually yeah. rewound and redone something. Um, yeah. I mean, quite often a lot of people are just fine with it. It's like, well, yeah, mistakes happen. Mm. But no, I, I cannot remember a time I've had to rewind because, like, yeah. generally, but, yeah. if, I, if I feel things are going completely off the rails, I'll just ask if we can stop for a bit so I can have a think. I think there have been, and this is the most common example I can think of, and this one mm. comes up, I, I would say, on a, not a semi-regular basis, but a, mm. a quasi-semi-regular. In a feat of notice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, people that went down under unconscious or, mm. or not necessarily dead, but unconscious, yeah. and then realised the reason why they might not have done, because they could have mm. done something, or, oh, wait, my shield has this ability to sacrifice shield, I could have used that, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And generally speaking, <laughs> I will almost always allow that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got, you got you flattered, and that's not that's that's not a rules mistake. That's generally just something that they missed. That yeah, they yeah, could yeah. have done, or an ability they had that they could have used, or something like that. Oh, well, you think of Tuk Tuk specifically there? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But tiny, so tiny, tiny Over the that bottom. sort of thing has yeah. happened quite a bit, and yeah. um, I will generally allow that. And I was like, yeah. okay, we won. Okay, you are still conscious. Fine, yeah. as long as it wasn't too long ago. Yeah, as long as it's kind of yeah. like around us ago. If it was like. The, yeah. the previous combat it's like well it doesn't really matter now well, does it yeah. well, well they, they they got knocked uh, to the floor and were temporarily out of it but they're not dead mm. yeah like good stuff and it's kind of dramatic really it's like they're like got hit so hard they just like were down and were just contemplating their poor mm. life decisions for a bit saying yeah this sucks <laughs> so I've got the other half of this question I think so we, that was the first half of the question yeah. the yeah. other half was so you got an encounter mm-hmm. you think it's balanced going into the encounter Turns out it's not. Either the players are completely demolishing the bad guy that the big bad guy that's supposed to be a challenge. Yeah. Or vice versa, the players are getting completely trounced by an encounter that's proving far, far harder than you thought it would be. Mm. Do you ease up on them or send in you know, do you adjust the encounter in some way? Or do you play it out to the bitter end and just deal with the repercussions? As a like having a good time. (laughs) Oh, sorry, yeah. No, I was gonna say as a player I, and this is my personal thing, I wouldn't mind a GM adjusting an encounter 
as we're going through to correct that situation in either way. Mm -hmm. So if we had an encounter and like I say, we're finding it far too easy, I wouldn't Mm. mind if a GM just added a few more hit points on just to keep the combat going so it was a bit more or interesting. Or dropped in a reinforcement or... Yeah, or did, or did something, something like, that. like that. I would, I don't mind that. As long as it's being... As long as it's not being done with a way of I'm going to win and kill the players attitude. As long as it's mm. just, this isn't very interesting or challenging, let's make it that way. Or, oh my gosh, they're all just going to have a complete TPK and it was actually really unfair. Mm. I'll be okay with them, you know, doing things like that as a player. That's my opinion as a player... Um, but as well, I don't think the type of GMs I've had would keep that secret either. They'd be like, that was a lot more difficult than uh, I expected guys. Sorry. You know, I'd, I'd expect that to be transparent as well. So for me, I will adjust an encounter on the fly. I won't tell the players. I will try to keep the illusion up and try and make them feel it was the challenging, difficult, but not too, but, but we made it through encounter that it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm not bad at doing that as well. Over the years, I've done that so much that I don't think generally they can tell. But I would admit I do do it. I do adjust encounters on the fly if they're not working. Do you think that's because you write games as well? So you're so used to creating like these scenarios and things like that that it's easier for you I, to kind of adjust on the fly because you're used to working in that. Like, because for me as a new GM, I would be too afraid to adjust it because I did it wrong. You know. I think it's one. I think it's one of two things. One is. No encounter can be written for every possible party. So if it's a published what? adventure, there's no way that the author of that adventure has managed to write an encounter which yeah. exactly meets, you know, matches yeah. the capabilities of every party out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have to decide beforehand whether to adjust it before we start the game sure. or in, in a play. Ideally, I suppose, I do it beforehand, but that's a lot of homework that I can't be able to do, so I don't. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Um, and also, who's to say that I'm correct then? The best way I can tell whether something is working is by watching it and seeing whether it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, it is easier to do in real time. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is little things like just up the damage a bit on the monster or up their hit points or vice versa, down them a little bit. And that's, you don't have to do much to, to alter an encounter. You just have mm. to alter the creature's stats a little bit and usually that will that will change the tenor of the encounter. What do you, what do you think, Peter? Um... As a player, I quite enjoy challenging games. Like, mm-hmm. I I will also like want to run away <laughs> from from encounters which are like, oh, we've pissed off more than we can chew. Run away, run away. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think the GM has to signpost those though a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, uh, I very much enjoy the things like the OSR combat has war philosophy and will attempt to stack the odds as much as I'm having a little bit of planning here and like you know, mm. doing clever stuff. So it's like a big wham and go for like a one-shot knockout blow. I find posing and like standing around, hands on hips, heroically declaiming, I find that a big thematic turn-off. Mm. <laughs> I, I have no time for it. It's like, it almost feels like you're bullying the monsters at that point. Um, <laughs> Like, Nobody thinks of the got, monsters in these encounters, and there are feelings. Like, if if you are feeling so overconfident going into a fight that you can afford to waste time doing that, then like you could probably just intimidate them into running away. Mm. I would say, like, like standing and posing and then hitting them just seems. I, I don't know. I find it antithetical to my ideas. About I don't know anything really. Yeah. Um. That that, that that's as a player has a, has a GM. Yeah. Sometimes the dice turn feral. Like has a player. Oh yeah. 
R- rolling above a five. Ha! Huh. Luxury. Yeah. Has a GM. Oh, double 20 again. That's awkward. Never mind. I think, I think <laughs> I have, you know, over the years, I think I'm quite good at eyeballing it. And not just mm. eyeballing the stats and stuff, but eyeballing the mood of the players and how they're finding Ooh. the encounter. Mm-hmm. And knowing whether they're, you know, finding it too difficult in a this is not fun kind yeah. of way. Mm. In a, okay, this is a silly kind of way. Or a, this is scary, I hope we make it through kind of way, which is the yeah. one you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want it to be too difficult, but they just think it's hopeless and this is not fun. No. There's all sorts of levers you can pull. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I mean, as I say, I like rolling in the open because it makes things seem more real and more scary. Mm. But on the other hand, like, the players aren't supposed to know all the monsters off by heart, so... And sometimes that does give away some of the monster stats. Yeah, yeah I was just I mean, going to ask about what your thoughts on about open and close rolling and stuff. I generally don't roll in the open, no. No, no. Generally speaking. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I prefer it because it's what the players do. And as I say, it gives, it gives like more of like a brenchman that I am not going to step in and save them from the dice. And also, mm. it's like, um, it's, it's just like sometimes it seems implausible if you can't see stuff. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I was in a game. The GM made like three saves every round of battle. They made a save. And that is entirely plausible. Mm. Even That's likely, I would say. That's what random is, isn't it? Yeah. But because I couldn't see the dice was alt, it's like I didn't know sure if I was, are. if I was like basically just like wasting my time barking at the wrong tree because they're rolling a two and they're passing a DC 17 save. I'm like, you know what? I'm, yeah, I'm but not... the description from the GM can alleviate that to an extent. Mm. They can make it clear whether it was close or not. Yeah, they could. But let's say that they didn't, which is right. not... <laughs> yeah. Let's say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't feel that I was getting close. I was mm. like, well... But, but if I see the dice, it gives me more more information that maybe my character would have as well. It's something you could build into the worldview. Like, if you like have a uh, I mean, if if you have a swing at somebody with a LARP sword and they effortlessly step, you step back and knock your sword out of the way, you can say, oh, oh, I, I have aired. This mm. this was not the fight I've done. Whereas if they're like, you know, flailing around and somehow you manage to, they, they, they manage to avoid your blow by like a millisecond, that tells you a lot more about it. It's like, okay, I think I can win this fight. It's different, yeah, yeah. different things, you know what I mean? So that's that's sort of how I can interpret the dice as a player and build that into my thing, which, you know, because c- players don't have a lot of information to work with. Mm-hmm. They've got the GM, but that's like a tiny information bandwidth. The more information yeah. you can give your players, the more they can properly react to things in character. Um, like, I don't think it's better game at all. I think it's like actually part of how you increase that bandwidth. So mm-hmm. things like, I do like maps and minis because they help. Yeah. There's this very strong argument that they don't help, but you know, they can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like it all sort of ties into that. So the more information the players can have about that sort of thing, the better. And you know what? If they meet a monster and they learn about its stats, you're telling me that my players are paying attention to the game and learning about it in character? Yes, please. I will have more of that. That sounds amazing. I really want that. That's, this, 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 is, this is like playing completely to where I want them to be. Sorry, I'm... I'm uh, I'm monologuing a bit No, no, here. I think it's interesting. With my evil villain manifesto. I'm, no, I'm, I think it's interesting because I know there's a lot of discourse online. I hear people yeah. talking about rolling in open or closed. Yeah. And the point you were making there, I hadn't mm. even kind of considered it. I think most of mm. the points I see people talking about is 
do I trust my GM not to lie? Oh. Well, or do I, or not so much, do I trust my GM to lie but for good reasons? Yes, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. So that's that's what it's about. Because I think everything we're yeah. talking about there, like adjusting the accounts are for the good of the story. I think a yeah. lot of these things come down to, do you trust that your GM is there to facilitate your story and let you all have yeah. a good time? So or do you feel you're fighting either. against them? Yeah. I, would, I would change that slightly. Mm-hmm. I, I, at least for me, it's yeah. not about for the good of the story. Yeah. It's for the good of how much fun the table is having at that moment. Mm. Yeah, I mean, mm. that, that's kind of what I might paraphrase for the story, because the whole point, yeah. But yes, I would yeah. agree with you. Yeah, like, the, it's it's like, it's quite tricky, especially when we're dealing with something has, I have to say crude, has a simple D20 role. Yes. It's, it's, it's a flat line, and yeah, it means that sometimes you have the situation where someone who's got no business attempting it succeeds, and somebody who should be an expert cannot do it and that is annoying that's, that's always been a thing with D&D though it's been no. one of the perennial kind of no. I, I mean, weaknesses yeah. of the system basically 100% stars without number uses 2d6 for skill rolls plus some tags and that is just better right you get a bell curve instead yeah yeah exactly it, yeah it, it just works how about that it just works yeah mm. yeah but in terms of rolling in the open and rolling in secret I'm definitely not a roll in the open no Absolutely. So, you know, I've got a different philosophy to GMing than you have, clearly. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think it all works. It all works. As, as yeah, as, as a player, I don't it. mind either. Yeah. As long as I'm convinced that the GM is there to make sure we have fun and run the story. It's a trust, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's just a trust. And, 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 yeah, that's 100% mm. what it is. I've seen some people do a combination of both, that they generally roll mm. n- in secret. But then when something yeah. extreme happens, like... For the third time, they've rolled a twenty. Oh, when it's really tense, sometimes they flop the screen yeah. down and be yeah. like, it's a, it's a to thing. be like, yeah. yeah, this is, you know." So I've had my well, GM this do that. Really going to matter, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, exactly. It's like, you know, does the GM pass the saves? Are they critting a lot? Are they just missing? When you're like, that monster's got plus fourteen to hit. If you're like, if you roll double ones out in the open, I gotta say, you can't manufacture that sense of drama and elation. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I guess they missed again. Yeah. But okay, so it's like the dice are very swingy. So when they go feral, like I say, and they're just critical feral. players. Feral <laughs> dice, they, little teeth. They, like, sent, yeah. they sent the blood of players, Jessica. They sent it. <laughs> Outside of the rolling in the opener in yeah. secret mm. thing, what about the adjusting the encounter on the fly element? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm very much in favour of doing that. Yeah, it, it just depends. Like, uh, I want to make, I, I do tend to want to run things like, I call it running hot which is like pushing the game system as much as I can. So players are thinking, if we're in a fight, this is going to be a exciting time because often combat is very boring, especially mm. if it proceeds at a slow and stately place. So mm. I tend to run things at the deadly end, which does leave you space for mistakes. Yeah. But but yeah, like, monsters have abilities. Do, you, do I, as a GM, always remember the abilities of every monster that I'm running? No. Would I make a mistake deliberately to not use an ability that I know they have? Also, yes. <laughs> mm. And have done. Because sometimes I'm like, okay, well, for whatever reason. Will you ever give a monster ability you did not? Oh, hell Just yeah. make one up on the top of yeah. your head. Yeah, I do it all the time. Yeah. They can also juggle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's always juggling as well. I don't know why. It's just... And they're excellent at embroidery. <laughs> well, that's something you can look forward to in your Dragonlands game. Oh, so uh, But yeah, like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like uh, I think uh, there's a dragon doing embroidery now. 
It was uh, Josie Lynn, on, who's part of the A5E team, was saying, well, actually, all my giants, they have knockdown and knockback. I'm like, huh, yes, giants should have knockdown and knockback. Yes. <laughs> That's my idea now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll throw a condition on people rather than losing hit points because, like, conditions can slow things down a bit, but they can also make the game harder. They, without... they make it interesting as well because then it comes yeah. a bit more strategic. Yeah, so, as long as it's not a miss a turn condition, they're rubbish. Yeah, oh, those can be a bit. No, as long no. as it's not a you're not allowed to see. play for a bit condition. Oh yeah, yeah. Go like, and make the tea condition. <laughs> like go ghosts are banned from my games. Mm. Um, I because I ran a ghost. I was like, okay, so it takes over a player. I'm like, oh wow. Like mid combat, I'm like, this player now has nothing to do. Mm. So mm. what I did and said was every time uh, the ghost possessed someone, I actually had that player. Run the char- I had the player run the character as though they were being run by a ghost. Mm. That's, um, yeah. which, they, which they quite liked. Yeah. yeah. So that kept them engaged. But on the whole, I'm like, no. No, I've had enough of this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Incapacitation for like monsters happens. And it's annoying as a GM, but it's much worse as a player. Much worse. I was just like, that. it's just not fun. It's anti-fun. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I'll get off my high horse. That's how I Yeah, feel. I think we've probably covered the topic anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think we can kind of summarise it. It's in don't rewind unless it's a player death. And... Well, check. Check in. See if they want to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes and they don't. Modify encounters on the fly is kind of what we choose to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Legit. Yeah. Well, we've done it. It covered the topic. Woo! We fixed role play. Excellent. We have fixed role play. Oh, forever. Good. Yeah. Oh, uh, All right. It'd be harder than that, but there we go. <laughs> Should we get out of here then? Yeah. Hell yeah. Apparently I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. At uh, Dragon Meat the other day, we saw people selling edible dice. Yeah. Did you see those? Like, you could just buy, like, a little dice container. Maybe I bought some. Maybe you bought some. Did they make it home? (laughs) Maybe it'll be someone's Christmas present. Okay. (laughs) That I hope doesn't listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, I'm on the episode. Yeah, sure, you'll get a Christmas present. I haven't got you anything for Christmas. That's not very nice, is it? I'm a bit sad. Have you got me anything for Christmas? No, that's not the point.